All right, Kiss Army. And welcome to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills. Today we're going to be talking about Kiss movies. Not just the Kiss movies that came out, but the maybe the Kiss movies that never came out. The Kiss movie that could have been. But before we do that, we're going to talk to a great Kiss fan, a gentleman by the name of Ralph Vieira. Ralph, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Ken. It's an honor to be on there since I've been listening to you guys for years. The Doctor is in, and you are known by another name, Dr. F-U-K-K, or Dr. Fuke, as I'm calling you for the sake of our listeners with kids today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you come from Thrash or Die. Uh, yeah, my band Thrash or Die, and I also have a band called uh, Combat that's uh, our CD's being released next week. And check out our video Demons, Combat Demons, and you might dig it. Excellent. So if you're into Thrash, check it out. And Ra- Combat's more traditional metal. Excellent. So Ralph, a lot of people may not know, but you have a podcast. Okay. Ralph, could you tell us about your rock and metal show on YouTube? On YouTube, I have a bunch of uh, review channels. Uh, one, my most popular one is my one that's uh, dedicated to Kiss. It's called Almost Human 56. And let me tell you, there's no there's no more fanatical fan base that I know of than Kiss because that channel has over 3 million views, over 2,000 2, subscribers. And uh, then I have like another review channel called Vieira Vols where I... Uh, review different type of bands and then I have the third review channel which is called Eternal Idols all one word which is all Black Sabbath related reviews and uh, all of them are quite popular I've kind of made a name for myself where I started a podcast uh, called the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with my friend uh, from New Orleans called Ian where we review different albums every week but you know we do focus a lot on Kiss we do several episodes uh, dedicated to Kiss which, you know, this week we just put up our KISS solo albums reviews. And, and I got to tell you, PodKISS has been a huge influence on me because uh, of you guys. I wanted to do a, a podcast. Excellent. Well, we're glad that you're among us and you're, you and your show are part of the Friends of the PodKISS network, if you will. So we welcome yes. you to the show. And, of course, we'd like to say hello to your co-host, Ian Wadley. Yeah, Ian Wadley from New Orleans. He is the Ayatollah of Alcohola. He gets very drunk. <laughs> so it's really cool. It's a yin and yang. I'm very sober. He's very drunk, and we go at it. People are loving it. We're also. I, I also want to give a plug to thatmetalstation.com, who actually loved us enough that they broadcast us twice a week. Excellent. Well, don't forget your friends here at the podcast when you're uh, a millionaire. Okay. Yeah, of course. I'll be. I'll be doing little uh, segments. I'll, I'll bring Gene with me. Excellent. Fantastic. The reason I'm having you come on the show today is because since we're talking movies, I'm telling you, Ralph, I had so much fun watching these YouTube clips that we're going to promote today. And it is, in a seven-part series, your commentary, I have to say your drunken commentary, (laughs) on Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to be? Uh, that came to be because uh, since my my uh, YouTube uh, Kiss reviews uh, has a lot of hits and a lot of comments, uh, the most popular one was people asking me when I was totally done with all the Kiss albums because I, I did every Kiss album, every Ace Freely album, every solo album like Gene Simmons and uh, Paul Stanley and Peter Chris's solo albums. They you know I ran out you know I just you know I didn't do blackjack and stuff like that but. 
people were like, dude, do the Kiss movie, Kiss Meets a Phantom, please review that one. And I said, well, I'll do you one better. I'll, I'll get drunk and, re- and do a commentary to it. I got to also say, I don't drink anymore. This was uh, <laughs> this, a few years and, yeah, this is a few years ago. And this might be one of the reasons why. Yeah, I get really <laughs> drunk. And uh, my Jack Daniels was my uh, drink of choice. Excellent. So I sat there. But actually, I didn't do it all in one sitting. Actually, I, I, I think I did that review, uh, that commentary, in a span of three weeks. Like yeah. every, every week I would get drunk one night and then watch it and, you know, record myself talking over it. And then, you know, then I'd stop because, you know, I felt like if I would sit through the whole thing, it would I would lose steam. Right. So, absolutely. You know, I would just stop and then go, OK, I'll get into the next part. Plus, you it's know. just you by yourself. There's no one to bounce off of. So you're just sitting there. Yeah. As a fan like we all have. And he's like the voice inside your head. I really want to encourage folks to check out this seven part series. We will post links in the show notes. And Ralph, awesome. can you tell us where people can find that again on YouTube? Uh, type in almost human 56, the number five, six, all one word. And that'll take you to my channel. Now there's another thing on there that people love that, uh, I, I, that, that channel originally was put up because I've made kiss videos. Have you ever seen my kiss videos, Ken? I saw your video for freak and it is so cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I really take the time and I sync up the vocals and everything and people really love those videos. And that's how it initially started. Then I started doing reviews. And then I, I, I gathered a huge following from it. You know, it's like, I'm pretty, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's been other podcasts. I'm not going to mention uh, one, one, but I became a uh, topic of discussion on that one because I also put up videos on there, me discussing any current event of KISS, like uh-huh. the, 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 the big fight of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I did my take on it. And certain KISS news that would happen... I would make a video of me just putting the camera on me and talking about it, you know? Right, right. And uh, it has, you know, uh, a lot of debate has happened. I, majority of people agree with me, but the ones that don't are very, very brutal and very mean to me. And I love it, you know? Well, that's one th- thing you can say about the KISS Army is that we are extremely passionate for good or for bad. So Exactly. And I'm one of them. I'm a very passionate person. And I say what I think, and some people don't agree with it. And I respect anybody's opinion, even if it's not mine. But sometimes, you know, sometimes they get a little too passionate, you know. But oh well, what can you do? Never let them see you sweat, Ralph. Exactly. And you can find Ralph's channel on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash almosthuman56. And that's one word. Thank you. Check it out. We'll put the links in our show notes. And Ralph, we want to thank you for coming by today. It's been a long time coming. We tried to let everybody know about all the KISS podcasts, KISS-related podcasts out there, and we welcome you into the Brotherhood. It is an honor, Ken. Thank you so much, and it will be an honor if one day you join us on our podcast. I will, uh, but I'm not sure my liver can handle keeping up with Ian, so we'll, we'll see <laughs> yeah, what we yeah, can well, do. I, I look forward just, to it. Just stick on my side, man. You'll be all right. All right, brother. All right, <laughs> so we will see you on future episodes of the podcast, and thank you for being part of all this, and... It's great being a KISS fan with you, brother. Thank you, and, and uh, thank everybody that listens to podcasts. Uh, I'm honored to be part of this show uh, whenever you want me. Excellent. And now let's enter the KISS movie theater, and we will join the rest of the gentlemen for our discussion on KISS movies. 
Hey everybody, this is uh, Ralph Vieira from uh, the band Thrasher Die and uh, Combat, and also I have a podcast called the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I want to say that I am a huge fan of the podcast, been listening to you guys for years, it's my favorite, favorite KISS-themed podcast, and check it out, turn it up. Alright KISS Army, you wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. All right, well, let's get crack-a-lacking. And with that familiar music, you are listening to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills. I'm joined by Matt Porter. What's up, friends? Craig Cohen. I am here to rock and roll all night and party every day, Ken. Excellent. Andrew Scambetti. I'm here to eat all the hamburgers off the floor. There you go. <laughs> and Gary Schaller. What? what? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was watching the Star Wars trailer again. Oh, <laughs> get off YouTube. Get off What's YouTube. What's up, guys? I'm not crying. Something's in my eye. S-A-D-P-Y-T. So there you go. Well, today we have a, an interesting topic, we feel. At least, if nothing else, that we're going to talk kiss, and that's always fun. Andrew, you want to kind of float your concept? Yeah. I always thought it was interesting that you had two KISS movies at varying degrees of KISS's popularity and, and obviously varying degrees in KISS's timeline. So we have KISS meets Fan of the Park. That's one type of movie. And then we have Detroit Rock City. That's another type of movie. But what I always think is both of those films have their strengths and weaknesses. But for me, it's such a huge missed opportunity that KISS never put out a concert movie in 1978 that was like Led Zeppelin's uh, song remains the same. You have KISS who is this great great visual band who kinda missed the boat on the biggest visual medium ever. You know how fun would it have been to go to a drive-in movie theater in 1978 maybe see Star Wars on one screen and then see a KISS movie on another screen. And I'm not talking about KISS meets the fan, I'm talking about a KISS movie that's based basically in KISS's concerts how cool would it have been to see you know them descending from the the stacks of marshall amplifiers on a giant movie screen sign me up i would have loved that anybody would have loved that for some folks in the audience they may have never got a chance to see led zeppelin's the song remains the same can you kind of spell out what that movie is about and what happens in it a song remains the same was shot at excuse me led zeppelin's famed madison square garden 1973 performances so what you had is you had this band performing at one of the most famous arenas of all time, performing at the height of their career, which was in 1973. So they filmed this movie over three nights at the Garden in 1973, and then kind of in between certain songs were certain pieces of, you know, fantasy clips. You had John Bonham as a gangster. You had Jimmy Page. Uh, I, you know, for some reason, it escapes me what Jimmy Page was doing, but I kind of remember John Paul Jones and... Um, Robert Plant, like, kind of, you know, in the country and doing certain kind of things. And so from start to finish, Led Zeppelin's song remains the same. It's a concert movie, but also has all these fantasy, you know, these fantasy clips in there. But when I think of Led Zeppelin, I don't really think of them as a fantasy band because there's really nothing that they could bring to the table that's smoking, exploding, fire breathing, blood spitting. So imagine you have Kiss at, let's just say, uh, a concert that we've all seen Largo, Maryland, 1977. Let's say you had that concert, but in between you had Ace on Jandel, you had Peter pretending to be a gangster, you had Paul being the lover throwing... Wait, 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 wait a second. He can't be a gangster. 
Uh, he, he'd have in to be movies. in, in the, the movies. movies. He would. Okay. All right. You see how you see how you see how I'm saving in there. And I'm saying in the movies. Giving the money to the poor. Yeah. But but imagine that you have these four larger than life comic book superheroes. Wouldn't it have been cool to kind of explore that in uh, a film setting in the seventies. I mean, granted, the effects then aren't anywhere near what they are now. But kind of imagine that maybe a less hokey. Kiss meets Phantom of the Park, you know, Kiss flying through the air and things like that. But you also have concert footage. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I always think whenever I watch, you know, the song remains the same. I'm obviously watching it for the concert footage. I'm not watching it for whatever else was going on. But I always think to myself, I go, how cool would it have been if Kiss did something like this? Well, as a quick aside, as before we, you know, go into that, um, has anyone read any of the? I don't know what. I don't know the film terminology. If it's like a. Um, a screenplay or a treatment or whatever a script. The plans that were going to go into the never made 1980 or 81 Kiss movie. I'm not talking about the Elder or any of that stuff. I'm talking about the things that um, that they had planned on the heels of or associated with their Australian shows and that lineup. Um, oh, so basically, what came out of the the Inner Sanctum, pretty much. It, well, right. So it was, it, but this was different, though. I mean, it would have had some of that and it would have had concert footage but it also would have had you know not quite fantasy footage but sort of like life on the road of a rock band footage that was scripted sort of fictional scenarios mm-hmm. with li- with performances of songs in the same way that like a be- um helper hard day's night in a way right wow um, that sounds awesome I, i've never yeah. heard of that I, yeah and um i, I wish uh that was how they described Kiss Meets the Phantom, A Hard Day's Night Meets Star Wars. And Absolutely. You saw how that came out. Right. Yeah. Now, Gary, before we go on with this conversation, we should, in full disclosure, tell everybody that the only other rock movie you've ever seen than Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park is Spice World, starring the Spice Girls, correct? <laughs> That's right. It's the only one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are others, you're saying? If you want to be my lover... <laughs> We were talking about rock and roll movies of the 70s and how there was that place that you could go see them because, you know, not every movie theater is just going to allow their prime time. I mean, you had Star Wars and Jaws and Grease and so on and so forth. They're not just going to, like, let every band have a crack at the big movie theater until they prove themselves, right? Right. But there was that drive-in and rock and roll theater thing that was going on. Yeah, but Kiss were not aiming for kitsch. I mean, they sure hit it out of the park, but they weren't aiming for kitsch uh, mm-hmm. that year, you know, um, or at that time, right? Uh, movies like, what is it, um, Phantom of the Paradise, mm-hmm. right? That's like a kind of a rock and roll movie, or even Rocky good Horror, one. things like, what's that? Good one, good one. That's, yeah, not no, a lot of people a, know Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, yeah, no, it's a, you know, it's a classic in its own right, and, um, you know, movies like that, though, mm-hmm. um, I think... Camp was um, was either a comfortable place for them to be, or or even just some place that they were aiming for. But Kiss were trying, you know. Kiss really, I think, genuinely wanted to have Hard Day's Night meet Star Wars, and wouldn't have settled for B movie. That is exactly where they hit, though. Uh huh. But but not. I mean, but not intentionally, right? And so, I think. Um, I don't think. In some ways, I, I don't think that they would ever have gotten. I don't think they ever would have been able to make a theatrical film in the same way that Led Zeppelin did 
because Led Zeppelin were taken seriously in ways that Kiss were not taken seriously. And so what, what you end up with is Kiss trying to hit that same um, caliber with a TV movie. And, of course, that's kind of hard to do. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, Led Zeppelin were taken seriously. I, I love Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. I think that it's the, the Kiss movie that we as fans deserved at the time. <laughs> but at, at the same time, I got to say that if you look historically at how controlling um, or protective of the brand um, Gene and Paul were, I, I can't imagine that Gene, especially being the movie fan that he is, sat down, read that script and said, yeah, this is going to turn out great. My understanding is that it changed uh, over the course of the project. You know the way a lot of things do. It's hard to talk about Phantom of the Park without me bringing up the um, Star Wars Holiday Special of that same year, <laughs> because I think in both, I mean they're both um, tragic car wrecks. Phantom of the Park, though, I, or the Holiday Special makes Phantom of the Park look like Casablanca. Yeah, well, right, Phantom, of the Park's, Phantom of the Park's watchable, whereas the Holiday Special, um, it, I, you'd be hard pressed to to sit through that whole thing without having to hit uh, fast forward. Exactly. Um, but right, but I think that you know, like similarly, they both changed over time, and and I think um, I've somewhere an interview with Gene and Paul where they say something like, you know, sometimes when you're when you're in a project, you can't, you have to just sort of see it through. Like it's too late, you have to kind of go with it. Mm-hmm. I think the thing with Phantom of the Park is I always have to look at Phantom of the Park through like three year old Andrew eyes because that's when I first saw it and. I didn't even know they were a musical group when I saw Phantom of the Park. I didn't see it from the beginning either. I had, and I, I kick myself for not having this anymore, but I had a Betamax recording of the original Kiss Me's the Phantom airing from 1978. Mm-hmm. Great. We've got to get out of here. I don't believe it! Yes, you can believe it. And now on NBC Saturday Night at the Movies, Kiss meets the Phantom. So when I first started watching it, I didn't see, I obviously didn't see the whole, be- maybe I did see the beginning, maybe I got bored, took a nap or something, but I remember the first time I saw Kiss, it wasn't them on stage playing Shout Out Loud, it was them like fighting those white little panda things or whatever, and I go, they're superheroes, <laughs> there's, that's what I thought, and he, he, Paul is shooting the laser out of his eye. And Excuse me, jumping. Andrew, Andrew, yeah. if, if you're going to continue to be on this show, you need to start referring to them as cybernetic werewolves. Or cybernetic <laughs> were monkeys. There's, there's nothing, there's Damn nothing it. werewolf about them because if I were to if I were to say that they were a werewolf to a non-kiss fan, then they would look at that. They'd be like, "Are you high? It's not a werewolf, it's a panda." That's, they actually look like thing? werewolf heads in like lost in space uh, outfits. It, it yeah. looks like it. They almost look like the putties from like the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from 1995. <laughs> Ouch! That's what it looks like. That's great. You know what's you know what I, I think the template for Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park was? I think the writers of that film were writing a Godzilla movie. Mm. But instead of Godzilla, Kiss was the big man in suit. 
because if you look at it, all Godzilla movies from that era, uh, or you know the, the the classic Toho era, um, mm-hmm. all involve these subplots that nobody cares about. Right. Right. And then Godzilla shows up, and that's when all the fun starts. And if you think about Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, it's the same exact template. Yeah, There's right. this plot that you don't really care about too much. Then Kiss comes, they start playing music, and they start shooting things out of their eyes. Right. I was heavily invested in the complicated, nuanced relationship between Sam and, um, uh, what's her name? <laughs> yeah, you don't even know her name. <laughs> Melissa. Yeah, Melissa. Sorry. Sorry. Hi, Melissa. Hi. <laughs> You're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. Yeah, exactly. Hold it, miss. Sam? 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 That's far enough, young lady. No! I must get through, please. Let's Your mind speaks to us. You're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. The other thing is I think there were too many influences. It wasn't just Hard Day's Night and Star Wars. It was also the Marvel comic, the brilliant, brilliant Marvel comic, which could never be uh, replicated on on screen and was so good and was such a home run. Uh, but they were, you know, they, they, were, they baked in some aspects of that, the box with the talisman, the superpowers, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. You know, but like I saw Kiss Me the Phantom, and then I had the comic, so I didn't even know that they played music. I had no idea. So I mean, if if Kiss was trying to break into other fans mm-hmm. by not just playing music, then they succeeded. They succeeded bar none because you had all these fans that were seeing this movies in the comic book. They had no idea. They didn't buy records. <clears throat> when you're four, three, four, five, six years old, you're not listening to music, and buying records. This doesn't matter to you. So they kind of seared it into your brain at that early age, and whenever I whenever I bring up Kiss Me the Phantom, I have to go back to that to that formative years and say, listen, when I saw this, I mean, it it changed me. It really did. Right. So and so I had this beta tape that that I watched till it fell apart, and then whose idea was it to re-release this movie? Because I was five years old and I was in Kmart and I saw it, the Good Times VHS, which I still have. Mm-hmm. I was like, Mom, Mom, I gotta, I have, I gotta have it, I gotta, I gotta have this. So, I bought it on VHS. So, maybe Kiss knew something that we didn't know because they were trying to sell their image to maybe fans that weren't fans of their music. And Gary, you're right, Kiss were not taken seriously. Led Zeppelin was taken seriously. So maybe Kiss knew, okay, we can't make something like that, but we can be a cartoon and have kids. Or maybe Kiss knows something that we don't know about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe Kiss knows something or reflects something that we don't see. New centers, Mike Hagedis. <laughs> wow. Nice. Nice. Excellent. Good job, guys. You know, I think, do you think at that point, I mean, Ken, you, you've told that story a couple times about then going to school on Monday oh, and people kind of making fun of you. And I think a lot of it does sit, you know, there's that always that argument of, well, when did you discover Kiss? 
You know, I think if you were a kid 16 who was a big fan, that probably would have been tougher to watch because you're 16 watching essentially a Scooby-Doo movie with Kiss. Yeah. But then, but like the same as what Andrew's saying, like in 1978, I was 10 years old. So to me, I thought Phantom of the Park was fantastic. But again, Star Wars, I was like religious about Star Wars. And then Phantom of the Park was a fun movie, you know, and it's like it was action. It was Kiss. You saw them walking around. I mean, and I think the other thing that a lot of people don't think about as of the time, you really never saw them on TV other than clips playing. So, again, even though that's not really the, some of their voices or, you know, it's, it's this kind of, you know, very over the top script. But it was exciting, you know, to see them just doing stuff. I mean, because you you really didn't see them on TV. You know, I think that's really one of those things. If you go back now, if you were a kid now discovering Kiss, you got 40 years worth of stuff, of interviews and this and that and the other. But at the time, it was really kind of rare. Like, they would pop up and it was an event that Kiss was on TV. Right. Right. Absolutely. What happened to the music in that movie? Who thought that they were going to be like, were they like mixing a porn and Kiss movie at the same time? And they go, just use the same music for that porn as the Kiss movie. No one will know. Yeah, but that was standard action star TV show music. Yeah. And like I was watching uh, TJ Hooker, some family net or whatever, and they like Charlie's Angels was on, so I stopped and then TJ Hooker came on and they've done a good job of making it widescreen and all that. They've got it formatted to fit the newer TVs, but like they show him, you know, William Shatner running for like two blocks and like I can just imagine going <laughs> I really hope you got that on film because I'm never doing that again. You know what I mean? And uh but there's all that cheesy action music that you hear that yeah or it could great, be game show music. music too you know like while they're waiting while you're writing the questions down you know i love that music match no, game so that's why you have to be thankful for that sort of european theatrical release that the the phantom got with the with the com- almost complete kiss soundtrack which is really that's the version on kissology volume two Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you know Chris, um, uh, Rising Force from uh, from Kiss Fact. Yes. Yeah, you he mean and I have Kiss FAQ. Just, Kiss FAQ. Excuse me. Yes. Correct. Gene Simmons, uh, Family Jewels. Yes. Um, of Kiss. Right, of Kiss. Uh, you know, he and I have talked about this too. I he we both vastly prefer the uh, the disco porn music version of that film with that mm-hmm. kind of uh, cheesy '70s fight music. Right. Soundtrack because part of what the charm is of, of that film is that it is of its so of its day. And what's more, you know, seventies made for T V movie, like to to speak to Ken's point, what yeah, it should sound like, you know, uh, T J Hooker or um what is it, Streets of San uh, Streets of San Francisco? Is that the movie? Yeah, the yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, it should I mean, you know, that's how seventies can you be. Yeah, I agree. But have you ever seen that episode of Wonder Woman called uh, Phantom of the? It's called Phantom of the Roller Coaster, and a lot of it's actually recorded, I believe, also at Magic Mountain. And then she runs across that rope, you know, walkway and everything. And there's there's shots of it. Look, no. it's all that same stock footage. I think it might be season three of. I have the, all the Wonder Woman DVDs. I mean, obviously Linda Carter. 
Perfect. <laughs> Let's go just think about that. But I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, and it's the exact same thing as now here she comes. And she's chasing this guy. And it turns out he, this guy, he's a mad inventor or whatever. And he lives under the, under the amusement park. And you go, hmm, I think I've seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. But look at that, though. Even the theme song of that show. I got to check that episode out, by the way. Thank it's a, it's a two-parter. Let me see. I've looked it up. It's called Wonder Woman Phantom of the Roller Coaster. It's genius. From September it's 1979. Okay, the, but listen to the theme song for that show. Even that alone, right, is uh, it's pretty 70s, isn't it? I mean, it's not, um, that is not timeless music. nearest police station and turn yourselves in. Won't that be fun? You sure nobody's going to get hurt? No. All this is going to do is shut down the most popular ride in the park for a couple days. You won't mind that, will you? Seeing Leon Gurney squirm a little. Sure would. not going to have a hard time you know someone who's never seen that show is not going to have a hard time identifying what era what decade it's from right right we're, if we're talking about 70s music everybody knows the best 70s music the incredible hulk that's the best yeah. one well, there you go <laughs> my eyes turned white when you started the when you started the- <laughs> <laughs> Searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. The creature is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And trust me, I can say this about Craig Kahn. We, we, we do not like him when he's angry. <laughs> right, Craig? Yeah, yeah. No, not to get on a, a whole tangent here, but one of my favorite um, Incredible Hulk episodes, aside from the fact that I used to have to leave the room during the opening um, credits of that show because the skull really scared me when they showed like the, <laughs> the neck with the skull. But I remember an episode where he had to deliver a baby, and it was coming out breach style, and that angered him enough that he started to Hulk out. <laughs> Hulk deliver baby. Yeah, Damn, well, what's wrong with your uterus, woman? So here's the name of that episode Matt was referencing: Phantom of the Roller Coaster, and it's a two-parter. The leader of a spy ring must deal with a phantom-like man and Wonder Woman before he can locate his headquarters in an old amusement park. Part one of a two-part episode. So, season three, episode twenty-three. In this description, it says, "Before he can locate his headquarters in an old amusement park." Do you think that's Devereaux? <laughs> <laughs> 
He's still hiding out there. Well, yeah, no, he's old because apparently when Kiss defeats you, you just turn old, and that's how that's it. He's old, I, and he's just sitting in that chair still and paralyzed or something. Yeah, and par- just Very like strange. stiff as a board. Wow. Trying to see who's all in this episode in case there's anybody that was in Kiss Meets the Fan. I wouldn't be surprised. So, here's how much of a of a Kiss fanboy I am. So it, it just it leaks over into every aspect of my life. So I went to see. So I went to see American Hustle. They he has a bunch of people that they're interviewing at the end of the movie to go along with the plot. And do you know who's in that movie? Who? Anthony Zerby, Abner Devereaux. Oh, actually. So even though I've seen this movie, and I'm like, ah, it's Devereaux. So people are like, the hell are you talking about? Probably the best part of that movie. Matt, do that again. How'd you do that? (laughs) Do it again. Devereaux. He's just shaking his cheek. Excellent. It's the old... (laughs) (laughs) The motorboat. Devereaux. The motorboat. Not only do we do imitations on podcasts, but we teach you how to do them. So there you go. <laughs> in some way, before we get off the topic, I mean, don't you think in a way Kiss Me is the fandom for as much abuse as it takes? Think about how many things that you quote out of that on kind of a regular basis that make it, it should get a pass just for that. There it, are two movies I know every line to. By heart, right. in my sleep, and one is Star Wars, the other is Phantom of the Park. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Between the Tom Snyder interview and Phantom of the Park, it is the gift that keeps on giving. Clark. Right. You know, I, I think, like, in that time period that we're talking about, when Kiss could have but did not put out a theatrical concert movie, I mm-hmm. wonder if they maybe didn't want to give it all away. You know, like, part of the thing of, you know, I mean, like, you, you go to see Kiss I with agree. high expectations of, like, you know, they're going to really blow up the entire arena and then they don't but you're not let down because what they do is still amazing but seeing it on you know i don't you know what i mean i don't know like would it have held up well i mean even though kiss's tv appearances were limited they still had that alive two stock footage they would show with some interviews i know they show that on pm magazine when paul stan was interviewed in 1978 but you also had other news stations that sometimes actually filmed a couple songs. Uh-huh. Like there's a um, some news footage from Portland, Oregon, and the Alive Two tour, and they show part of "I Stole Your Love" as well as um, "God of Thunder." Then there was mm. that great Land of Hype and Glory" clip that shows quite uh-huh. a bit of the and um, the Los Angeles, California shows. Amazing. So I mean, yes, they they probably didn't want to spoil it, but there was also I mean, if you were a fan, you probably knew when those things were going to come on, and you knew when to see them. So, I don't know, it, it's such a different time, too. I don't know if anybody could ever answer that question correctly because, you know, now Kiss plays and their whole set is on, is online almost right. as, it, as it happens. Right. But maybe right. then they were holding something back. But, again, also remember, too, that this was a time that Kiss was really firing on all cylinders and their shows were changing every year. I mean, we had to deal with the same stage show for almost nine years mm-hmm. here in America. That would be unheard of for Kiss in the 70s. I mean, they were changing everything every six months, and you had a new stage, and you know, you, you, the show you saw on the Live 2 tour was vastly different than the show you saw on the Dynasty tour. And the show you saw on the Destroyer tour was vastly different than, than the Love Gun tour, and so on and so forth. I don't know, maybe, maybe there is some stock to that. Maybe they didn't want to show because they didn't want to show the fans everything that they had. But again, I always go back to Bill Coyne's background in television. He had this great visual background. He just didn't use it on Kiss. Right. That's true. Yeah, they're like an underexploited band visually, considering yeah. how visual they are. Yeah. Well, let's flip that coin over. What if the real thing is is that they were giving you everything they had, 
and it was happening so fast that sure a staffer came up with the fact that Peter Chris was born on an island a jungle island and Gene was hatched and stuff like that and Marvel Comics kind of flushed out those characters in ways that had to surprise them on some level you know I mean I'm sure that there was direction but as much as Kiss was this quote-unquote fantasy band I'm not sure they really fleshed the fantasy out for themselves like for example the photo shoots with Mega McCracken those yeah. things disappeared after a short amount of time mm-hmm. I mean they were printed all over the place and then it was like wait a second we're bigger than this we are bigger than that image because that's something that is like a jump quick to like get attention but in the long run you can't have nine-year-old kids running around with bubblegum cards of Meg McCracken's breast being squeezed by you know Paul Stanley so that's true and blood mm-hmm. so I wonder how much Kiss really had in the tank as far as the imagination of these characters because, That's interesting to think about. Yeah, because almost everything came from the Marvel comic thing or a coin management staffers. Well, I think this is how you make that work, though, okay? So what you do is you make a movie that's similar. Maybe this is Andrew's original point, but you can make a movie that kind of combines the best aspects of um, Detroit Rock City mm-hmm. and the best aspects of Phantom of the Park. And you make a movie that is essentially a concert film um, with some embellishment in the in terms of what Kiss are doing, or you know, um, you know, fan, but but maybe what you do is you, well, what you do is you maybe have four fans in the audience that you're focusing on. You sort of tell you show them a little bit. You don't make a big story about them necessarily, but you basically have them going to a a, a Kiss concert. That sounds like Detroit Rock City, Gary. Yeah, right. but here's the, but here's the deal. Okay, there's no vomiting in a picture. There's no <laughs> this or that. Okay, but you, you have them go to a Kiss concert, and then during the concert. At various times, like you sort of focus in on on one fan, and you and you know the, the camera gets blurry, and maybe you know she's the Peter Chris fan, so you focus in on her, and now you're now through her eyes you're watching like it's tra- the stage is transformed. Peter's not uh, you know playing his drum solo on stage; he's playing in the middle of a jungle, you know, pounding like bones on on tribal drums and stuff. And then you know same with like uh, another fan and Gene, and you get the idea. All the while, like maybe there's a phantom conspiring at the state, at the arena to like shut down the show, mm-hmm. and maybe the fans break up that plot, so that Kiss is left to do Kiss's thing, and they don't have to be actors, they don't have to be anything. The Kiss show is still amazing. You get to see Ace on Jendel, but you know you also weave in the fantasy thing, a plot line, and boom, it's a movie. Okay, I like that idea a lot. I like it a lot, and it actually reminds me there's a German. Spot. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Schuler Express from the Unmasked. Yes. And because uh, it, it's funny, because the girl looks at Paul and then she's like in his dream sequence, she's riding a motorcycle with a guy in Paul Stanley makeup on the back I of the like, motorcycle. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's right. Yes. No, yeah. It was on the. Uh, it was when they were doing the European Unmasked tour, the 1980 tour. Yeah. And the thing I take, I'm such a super fan. The thing I take away from that is. There are these all this great concert footage, and you, they cut to a, a clip of the of all, all the fans in the front. And there's a guy in the front. He's like he has the the unmasked tour book, and he's just shaking that thing, and he's mangling it. And I'm going, dude, what are you doing? Don't ruin it. It's worth so much money. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's just shaking that thing. So like, 
with what you're saying, Gary, you would have somebody looking up at Gene Simmons and it cuts to uh, him playing bass, then we see him holding his bass in a photo shoot and there's flames and fire, then the next thing you know, he's like singing God of Thunder. He's like drooling blood and like a volcano's erupting yeah. behind him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fantasy sequence that, because that is the, the Kiss concert experience in a way, right? Like we go to, we have all this stuff in our heads and then we go see Kiss and it's, you know, we're sort of like transported a little bit um, in our imaginations. But, you know, what's going on on screen is not, on stage is not the same as like what happened in those photo shoots, right? I mean, you know, those photo shoots were like Gene's hanging out with a gargoyle in the pits of hell or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so a way to weave that in through the eyes of, of these concert goers. Like the spaceship lands and Ace comes out and his guitar's already smoking. Right. Right, exactly. That's cool. Or Ace could be doing a solo, and as he does it, a spaceship lands, and he does like a close encounter of a third kind thing where he's playing the notes to make contact with this ship. Remember how the in close encounters of a third... Yeah, exactly. What do you think of that, Craig? That'd be cool. I like that a lot. Kiss exposed at all? I mean, when like the whole fantasy idea here's Gene in his little cake, you know, room with the girls' heads on the wall. I mean, in a way, that's like, are we gonna go in that direction? Where like, I mean, that's like so over the top as well, and it brings that to my mind. Is like, it's it's as if this is how they're really living. Oh, I made Gene a room, and he likes it here, and you know, they bring the girl across on the you know on a uh-huh. stake and everything. Like, What's that? It's my lunch. And- so basically, the- exposed was almost the 80s version of what we're talking about. Well, it was the grown-up version, and and the version right. that we would have gotten in the late 70s is the kiddie version, so Gene would have been just doing all stuff that 12-year-olds would think was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> right. I, I still think that we want to focus more on the, the, the characters, because they spent a lot of time making the God of Thunder, you know, scary to kids in the 70s. Right. So I'd want to focus on that, you know, where Gene, you know... There's like a campfire. He lights the campfire with the fire breathing, and you know they edit it a certain way where like you don't see the kerosene in his mouth. You see him breathing the fire. Right. So to a, to a kid, you'd be a kid would be like, oh my god, it's the coolest thing ever. Like if you watch the end of the Paul Lynn Halloween special, yeah. Gene walks up to the camera. He's got his mouth open. Then all of a sudden they cut again. He's breathing fire. Mm-hmm. So you don't see him actually put the kerosene in his mouth. Right. It's and just like it happens. Yeah, and I just think that something like that would have been cool. So, like, let's say you're at a concert, and you have these kids, and and a couple of them are asked what they like about Kiss, so, like, we get the idea of what that's like. The concert starts, the fans look at the, at each individual band, like, let's, let's go, we've, we've talked a little bit about the other one, but they're looking at Paul, and Paul, like, is at a photo shoot, and we hear something talking about his past life, then he starts talking about his character, and as he's talking about that, it drifts into this 
thing where like he's on a bed with like five different chicks and they're all in the love gun makeup and then it turns out he's on a throne and they're all around him while the music plays and then he steps off the throne and comes back to the concert so it would weave you in and out of reality hyper reality oh that's that's a great idea you know yep yep that's i i would pay to see that yeah then you get the best of everything there in a way right but I think the first thing that you see is when you, you pull it to the drive-thru or even, you know, later on you put in the VHS, the very first thing you see is you see, you know, the Love Gun Tour starting. You see them descending from the stacks of these Marshall cabinets and there's fog everywhere. And they kind of up the ante a little bit. They made, they put more fire in this section of the show to kind of, I don't know, overstimulate you. Because, I mean, we know that there wasn't as many bombs as we thought there were in the 70s. No, there wasn't. Let's, let's, let's put, you know... 19 stacks of flames in here even though it wasn't that didn't happen at the concert but you may remember it that way because this is what you saw you saw this vhs tape 70 times but maybe you only saw kiss in concert twice right yeah but so, see even as we're talking about this as much as i agree with you and you know as cool as all that would be you know i i wonder still if like they wouldn't have done any of these things because they would have said mm, then people are going to go see our concerts and be disappointed right Plus, we're giving it away. Remember, Gene always used to say he didn't want to be on TV. Do you guys mm. remember reading that? Everyone no, he would I say things. Remember, I do remember that on the reunion tour, they would not do any interviews. I do remember that. Yeah, what? there was there were times that they they would put a block on things. Really? Like they did so many, and then they'd say like, "Okay, that's huh. enough," and they'd do this thing where they'd push and pull, where they would open themselves up, but then pull back. And that was kind of smart. They were trying to, on some level, get back the mystique, you know. Yeah, and I guess they did limit it some. I mean, I, I do remember, I guess as time went on, you know, 97, 98, they did it more. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess at the beginning it was very it, limited. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, well, it's over. You, you don't want to overexpose it and you don't, you don't want to disappoint people, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's go around the room and take each character slash person... Uh, Matt Porter, what would you have liked to have seen be Paul Stanley's fantasy sequence? Just go. I think obviously what you were describing earlier, the idea that here's Paul surrounded by girls in love gun outfits. But I think at the time they were trying to make it a little more kid friendly because Mm -hmm. they knew that 10 year olds were going to buy a lot of Kiss albums. So So I think if they had gone with the idea that it was Paul, you know, like in the 80s where now it's Paul with five girls in the bed and, mm-hmm. you know, I went caroling last night and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. I think in 1978 they probably would have kept it kind of tame, you know, and it's it would have been uh, m- probably Paul at a disco or something cheesy. You know, I don't know. I think in, in a way I, I can think what I would have liked, but I don't know that they necessarily would have done it. I like that idea of obviously the fantasy of being a rock star. You know, you'd show them, you know, with all these hot gals and it would just be, you know, the idea that that's what you thought he was doing. Yeah, and, and and it would be cool if they, you know, they talk about like when I was a kid, I wanted to see this kind of band, and then it leads into now here's it's almost like the fantasy character speaking. Craig, what's your thoughts on the Paul Stanley character uh, um, shot? Remember, remember the honeymoon suite that um, Clark and Lois go to in Superman Two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's the set. <laughs> and you've got and you've got Paul just spending a weekend, PG weekend, with like a Farrah Fawcett type, mm-hmm. right? 
Like almost like a commercial for like you are sleeping. Yeah, like a, a, maybe like a commercial or an infomercial, infomercial for like beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. If anybody remembers <laughs> that. Wow. All Stanley for the Poconos. Okay. Right. Well, Andrew, how about you? I don't know. It's difficult because <clears throat> you have what everybody's talked about previous. Does anybody think it'd be kind of hokey if you've seen Paul doing this kind of stuff in makeup? Paul's hokey. He, well, yeah, but I mean, like, I think I would want something extreme fantasy. Like, maybe, you know, he's. All right, it's kind of PG, but he's like, he's on his throne and there's fog everywhere. He steps down, love gun girls, they kind of just, like, part away. And, you know, he's. Like, like, like they're grabbing he, at his boots as he walks by. Yeah, something like that. And then, um, you know, maybe he's. I don't know. For something that, that always sticks out with me with Paul in the 70s is him just smashing those guitars. Like, he just had this... He was smashing these guitars with such power at that time. It was before, like, the necks were, were sawed in half, so he could mm-hmm. only break them with one hit. But I right. kind of think that, you know, maybe he'd step off there and he would hand him, like, guitar after guitar and he'd be smashing these guitars and something like that. That would be, like, his fantasy because... That I, would I really be kick-ass. I wouldn't want to be... I wouldn't want to have him shoot, like, laser beams out of his eyes or something like that because that'd be hokey. I'm I trying to, like... I'm trying to make it crazy. I'm trying to make it kind of cool. So that's, I mean, for me, like, he would step off the Love Gun Throne, he would just be smashing the guitar, and then it would go back into, you know, him on stage, like, going on the lift, you know, when he was singing the chorus of Love Gun. Mm -hmm. Mm. Gary? I could see it being, you know, uh, something like he's in a limousine being, you know, or, like, in the back of a cab, in makeup after the concert, being chased by a lot of girls, and then, you know, maybe this is, like, after they've played the, you know, after they played Beth, right? So it's like during the encores, it's the last fantasy sequence is Paul's. He, he gets, you know, you see him get into a cab. He's like being chased by fans. Gets back to his hotel room, still in makeup, sits on his bed, pulls out an acoustic guitar, and starts playing the intro to Black Diamond. And then we cut to the... Ooh, ooh. Right? Then we cut yeah. to the, like the, the final encore, which is that, like, hit it! You know, you're on stage again. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Well, because that's even though thanks, even though it's not like, you know, cinematically like fantasy like you're saying, which I, I think is still cool, Andrew. Mm-hmm. I, I think though for Paul, he would have said you know something like, "I ah, leave that to Gene, and you know I'll do my thing." Right. Yeah, I like that. I like it a lot. Well, it's either that or him sitting on a horse looking over the Long Island freeway saying, <laughs> "I might cry." Uh, yeah. There's a child in a sundress. <laughs> So there you go. Well, let's look at Ace Fraley's uh, character sequence, Map Order. Well, yeah, like everybody said, if we see him in space and he's on Gendel and, you know, we do all kind of fantasy stuff where he's flying around. I think, but see, that's, I think, where you would have started having problems with it. I think if they would have said, Ace, we're going to have you fly around in a spaceship, I think he you know, would have been like, oh, this is so stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, and, and I think I would have liked to have seen stuff where if they had done in the studio, we could see them recording, and if they had the makeup on, it would give that illusion that they do record in the makeup, which, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think if they had done almost kind of hyper-stylized versions of what we thought they might be actually doing, but they would do it in their you know, makeup or costumes and like things like that. We see him in the studio. Here he is with the guitar, but now he's walking around, you know, in that outfit. You'd be like, oh, see, look, he does record in the costume. There he is. We saw it on a movie, so it must be true. Get your toy ready, man, because I'm going to ask you to use it. 
That's what she said. You're your Star that's Wars. Your, that's what she said. when Ace's guitar flies to the ceiling. That's my spaceship taking me back to Jindal. Oh, yeah. It actually longer? sounded like the uh, guitar flying to the top of the ceiling. <laughs> I know that you bastards won't be happy until Ace is running around with an R2 unit shooting laser beams <laughs> out of his guitar. R2 would never be seen in the company you never know. Craig Cohen? I actually think that Ace might have done a segment where there's that row of music stores in Manhattan. I think there's a mm-hmm. Sam Ash and maybe a Manny's Music. And I think those sequences would have been Ace in his full costume, but just hanging out in the music store, trying out guitars, trying out amps, making noises, and just being really creative and interacting with other musicians. Hmm. Interesting. Andrew? My thought for Ace is kind of focusing on what one of the ideas we said before about focusing on a fan. You know, the fan sees Ace and then it's like, he sees Ace, he blinks and he's in an empty arena. Then like a spaceship lands in the middle of the arena and Ace is playing his solo and he comes out and the guitar starts smoking and there's all kinds of smoke everywhere and the spaceship is taking off and landing and shining a light trying to abduct him but they can't abduct him. They only get the guitar so the guitar flies up in the spaceship. And he starts playing again, then they go back to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Gary? <clears throat> so I just, uh, when I, I, I just ran to get my copy of Headliner's Kiss uh-huh. from, uh, what, 1977, 8? Uh-huh. Whatever. By John Swenson. Yeah, 78. Great book. And in the back, where it says vital statistics for each member of Kiss, uh, Ace's favorite TV shows. Anyone know? Trivia? Come on. Oh, wow. Do you remember? No, Starsky and Hutch. I don't know. Uh-uh. Star Trek, Happy Days, and The Jetsons. And the, the reason why I... Yeah, I, I thought of this because, man, it would be so cool. Such a like a classic 70s rock and roll psychedelic movie thing to do. To have Ace's segment be animated. Okay? Oh, like, you know, that'd be kind oh, of Oh, cool. I like that. Cut away to some animation. Then, th- then you know, you, you A, you don't have to deal with... Ace, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to deal with. You don't deal with or, Ace. You know what I mean? I, I say that with only love, but that you know probably was difficult to deal with Ace sometimes, and he would be the first one to admit it, I'm sure. And he would like what came out of it. He likes animation, you know, from what he's said in interviews and so on. You make it. You get some someone who makes decent animation to do a trippy outer space thing where he's playing his guitar. The smoke. You have the stage filled with smoke, and when the smoke clears, you're in space. It's animated, and you know, some kind of crazy little space trip, and then you're back. And that's about as drug-oriented as you can get without naming it. Right. Freely? Gee, Mr. Space, well, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Jeanette, I'm home. (laughs) And this is for concert purposes. You don't want to go any below the belt, so. Right. Just sort of for a concert. Stop this crazy thing. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Up next, Peter 
Chris. And we'll go with Andrew, since you're the guy who plays the cat in that band. You know, I would throw Lydia Bone on this one. What a, Peter's fan, yeah, Peter's fantasy would be him singing Beth to just Lydia. Mm. There's like a disco ball that's like very like, you know, very roller skate ring kind of cheesy romantic and he's singing it just to Lydia. Or if we're going to go of them focusing on four fans, he's singing that to the girl fan in the group. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Like, I like, it, like the, the rest of the audience sort of just clears. Yeah, the rest of the audience yeah. kind of disappears and it's just him singing Beth to her. Nice. Greg, your thoughts? I think it would be a complete Peter Chris ego um, stroke. So I think we'd have footage of um, Peter in the back of a Rolls with probably some champagne, being chauffeured around, being fed caviar, and just being treated like uh, like a king. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Matt? Remember those classic photos where it's Peter and that kind of old school car and he's dressed up all fancy and mm-hmm. posing mm-hmm. with the car? If they did something like that, it would be like, you know, we see, again, we see him in the makeup as if he's li- living his everyday life in his makeup. But maybe show him with his classic car, cruising around, you know, like doing just kind of cool things. But in, again, in the makeup, I think that would be kind of fun. Gary? Drum solo, middle of the jungle, you know, kind of uh, intersplice, like splicing in, um, you know, footage of like, you know, he's like hitting the toms and um, you see like a, like a tiger raise its head, like, huh? What's that? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's kind of cool. That's kind of right? cool. Or something like that. I don't know. You know, um, with the whole, you know, jungle theme, I guess. Yeah, kind of like, like the uh, Dynasty tour book. I mean, really, mm-hmm. this is what we're looking at: is the Dynasty tour book, right? Yeah. When you think about it, uh, yep. if you're going to include Lydia, I want her to have the whip and have that one leather outfit that she was wearing for a while, because those are <laughs> some go. really cool pictures. So you, you've given this some thought. Well, <laughs> while while we're talking, you know, but, understandably. Uh, right? Hey, Lydia, how's it going? But uh, yeah, you know, you definitely got to. He's playing drums in the jungle and the animals and like uh, out of the smoke, there's like a woman with like those weird contacts in her eyes and she's got like a, her skin's painted like a, a tiger type skin. I think so that would have been really cool. like the wolf video. That, hey, it worked for Duran Duran. Why not? They would have invented MTV. There you go. So there you go. But uh, so So I think that that could have been a lot of fun. It, at least, thank God, they didn't uh, do it earlier and do the uh, hotter-than-hell photo shoot. So that could have been a oh. whole <laughs> different kind of movie produced by Fellini. Oh, my God. Really went out there, you know. Hodorowsky's Kiss. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and finally, The Demon. Matt, you want to take this one? I think I probably mentioned this other places, but like God of Thunder, in my mind, I always pictured... Gene sitting on a throne, kind of like looking like Loki from those Marvel comic classic kind of shots in the 70s. You know, you'd have flames, and I always pictured little demons flying around with flame hair mm. and things like that. You know, if you think about, like, the movie Heavy Metal, like, I guess that mm. would have come out around Great. 81. But think about that kind of imagery. Like, that would have been, like, even now, I wish they would, if they were going to keep going with Kiss movies, rather than doing Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park style, 
do like something kind of dark the way they the way heavy metal i mean that's like it's it's a grown-up cartoon you know way before anime i guess was kind of a thing you know i remember seeing that in the theater you know that was another one that we talked about midnight movies earlier but you remember going to see that at midnight if they had done a a gene you know very dark and kind of menacing and you know i think that would have been cool yeah that's great horror movie you know such a great movie and a, a really good frame of reference there yeah I watch that movie every year. Gary? Now I, now I want to watch Heavy Metal. There you go. You ever see the sequel? There's no that. such thing. I know it's there, but there's no that. such thing. Uh, for me, I think for with Gene... What's the... Um, what's that uh, comedy... I think it's from the like really early 80s or maybe late 70s. Um where it's like all kinds of like murder mystery noir stuff but like like from old movies um, dead, man, dead man don't wear a plaid is that it with uh like where is it Steve Martin yeah yeah maybe it is yeah 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 well i i guess i'm thinking of something with gene where like uh this would have cost a a pretty penny i guess back in the day to get the rights to like somehow mix gene in with some of the like black and white monster movie stuff of his youth, you know, where like the villagers with pitchforks and, and <laughs> torches are chasing him but then, you know, you cut to like again, black and white, he's like in a castle, gargoyles, like drooling blood where it's like raining blood on them, you know, you see the like villagers like shrieking back and like it's just so much blood and fire, something like that, but black and white hmm. You see his hand coming up and they play that creature from the black lagoon Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it could right. be like a, a real like montage of different. Um, right. I yeah. love that. Something like that. Maybe That's nice. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Craig? I'm going to get a little larger than life here and go with um, Gene um, Godzilla size. So they, they could maybe hey. borrow uh, one of the sets from a Godzilla movie and just have Gene um, doing all of his cool movements, not hurting anybody. Maybe uh, picking up a lady here and there, um, and 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 eyeing her up and and seeing if she's worthy, and then putting her down. Um, but just you know that kind of trip for Gene. Standing over top of the roller coaster, looking down mm-hmm. at the two girls. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go, Andrew. You know, I think of Gene, and I think about lots of blood spitting and lots of fire breathing, like. You know, maybe if we're going to focus in on Gene, you know, the volcano's going off and he's drooling more blood than he's ever drooled before. And then after he's drooling the blood, he's spitting the fire. And, you know, as he's spitting the fire, he's making explosions and the, the, these lights are coming down on him. And they maybe bring back in the, the bell where he's hiding from the light, kind of like the old school Dracula, something like that. I would go much more horror movie for Gene. And mm. definitely have a lot to do with, you know, a lot of fire breathing, a lot of blood spitting. Uh-huh. What about you, Ken? Well, I would have, uh, you know, you hear bits of Great Expectations as God of Thunder starts. You just hear it, like, phase in and out. The the song's played. The blood happens. Uh, He looks down, and there's one girl with her head down. She's the girl from the fantasy photo shoot that has the jean makeup on. Mm -hmm. Oh, there you go. And Gene calls to her, and she comes up. Now, keep in mind, he's got blood dripping down his face at this point. And as she's looking at him making eye contact, he just sticks his tongue out towards her as slowly and long as he can. 
So it would be like like if they like a John Holmes porno only with Gene Simmons' <laughs> tongue, where they focus on like this guy has a really huge appendage. So <laughs> just like take that in America, the blood and the tongue with that girl. Nice. That would be it. You know, uh, and then the seventies porno music music. Yeah, exactly. Um, has anybody seen Metallica's Through the Never? No, no. I'm no. not a huge Metallica fan, but the film is interesting in that it does weave in and out of reality, and you never know whether you're watching a horror film, an action movie, or a concert. It seriously is worth checking out at least once. Hmm. So, I recommend that. So, if you've seen that, let us know if you would have think that Kiss could have done something cool like that. So, That's oh, interesting. Now, let's talk about Detroit Rock City. We won't go into it too long as we kind of wrap up our discussion here, but it really basically is The Wizard of Oz meets Kiss, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got the four people are off to see the wizard, and they run into you know, a lot of weird people along the way. I mean, the mother is the Wicked Witch of the West <laughs> for all intents and purposes. <laughs> what did you think of Detroit Rock City? We'll start with you, Andrew. Detroit Rock City for me was for a lot of kids what Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park was for them. Mm-hmm. I heard about I heard about this movie and I was 15, 14, 15 at the time when Detroit right. Rock City came out. So I'd already seen Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park so this was billed as like the not hokey version of Kiss Meets a Fan of the Park is going to be focusing on Kiss's fans. And already when they announced it, and they says, oh, it's going to be you know based around Detroit concert in 1978. And I go, they didn't play Detroit in 1978. And I go, it's already ruined for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. But um, as I got older, I liked Detroit City a lot more because I don't really consider it a Kiss film. There's definitely a lot of Kiss references in, in that film. But it's such a cool like uh, period piece because it has everything that you you think of in the '70s in that movie, mm-hmm. and it, and it's just funny. So um, I like Detroit City a lot, but I, I never consider it uh, a Kiss movie per se. Right, Craig. I enjoy it. Um, I think it's it's you know really got a really fun sort of premise. Anytime you get you know kids on the road having adventures. Uh, you know, there's a lot of potential there, and you know, you get all the, you know, kind of cool or you know sometimes corny, you know, kiss references where they run into Christine sixteen or or stuff like that. Um, the only thing I think they really missed the boat on with that movie was the opportunity to have um, cameos from Ace, Gene, Peter, and Paul out mm-hmm. of makeup where they're not meeting Ace. Like, maybe they run into Ace out of makeup, and he's a cab driver or something. I thought that would have been a really <laughs> mm. a, a lot of fun, and, and I think that would have really um, excited a lot of fans watching the movie. Like the Millennium episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, wasn't it? Was it Millennium? Where yeah. It, yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Matt? 
Yeah, like you said, I think a lot of it is when, as a Kiss fan, you're sitting there picking out little things. Oh, look, he's got the belt buckle, or you know, and it's such a fantasy. It's like you know, even the idea, like when Natasha Leone is being held hostage and he gets to save them with the dogs, and you go, uh -huh. like, who wouldn't want to save Natasha Leone? And then she loves you, and how great is that? Or the fact, like Shannon Tweed's in there looking all hot, like uh -huh. super hot, and of course, like Shannon Tweed is never gonna pick that kid up in a bar. But in the fantasy world of movies, isn't that nice to think that, you know, that could happen? You know, and, and I think when if you watch it and you're expecting anything nearly serious, first of all, look, and we all love our moms. But if you saw your friend's mom burning your kiss tickets, does the movie end with you beating the crap out of your friend's mom and taking your kiss tickets? I mean, at some point, come on, like that movie would be 10 minutes long. Your mom's burning the kiss tickets. They run down the hall and deck her. You know, it's uh I think all of it, if you take it as the fantasy that it is, it's a lot of fun. I think it is a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Gary? I, yeah, I don't like it. Um, I, I enjoyed seeing it. No, I, I, I guess I, you know, I understand the, I understand what is to like about it. And at the time, I think it was the best movie they could make. And I think that um, it, there are a lot of good things about it to enjoy. And I... I never, I never reach for it. I never have any urge to watch it, um, with the exception of the drummer. I, the, I, I find the other, um, you know, I guess I, f I find the other three kids not very likable. Uh -huh. um, they're like they don't just like you know they're not characters that I relate to or care about. Um, the fact that they like Kiss to me isn't enough for me to to give a shit about the characters because because you know that those actors just. You know, they probably didn't give too much of a shit about Kiss before making the movie, and probably not much after. Uh -huh. And also, I think for me, it, it, it in part, and I, you know, again, I'm being a bit unfairly critical about it. At the time, I saw it in the theater, and I, I enjoyed it just fine, ish. But I think the other thing that's hard too is that it makes me think about that that time between '96 and 2000, when a lot of people were like, "Yeah, let's go see Kiss." That sounds like a great idea, and I I'm like I never left the party. I've been here all along. Right. Um, and and I hanging out, watching Detroit Rock City felt like hanging out with those fans who were going to leave the party a year later. Uh huh. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I never thought about that. Well, while I respect you immensely, I have to disagree with you. I think you're taking it way too seriously. You're looking for meaning where there where is, there is no. <laughs> it is it is simply a fun comedy and it's along the uh animal house kind of uh, american pie kind of thing except it's about something really cool four guys going to see kiss do i like everything about the movie no but overall it's a testament to to what kiss and all of us you me everyone listening to this show helped create because that movie is not just about those four guys. That that movie's about me going to see Kiss, even though my uncle took me, <laughs> and it was in Cleveland, and it was different. But I kind of went to school with some of those people, and I don't care how old you are, you probably went to school with some of those people. So whether you know I can like relate to uh, you know bong spilling morons, not necessarily, but I I dig the struggle that they have to. Plus, I really enjoy Lin Shay's over-the-top performance. 
you know, as the mother, I thought she was great. And she was I, great. I yeah. love Joe Flaherty in anything. Uh, SCTV alumni. So there's there's a who, lot who of great he? things. What was that? Who was he? Who he, was he? He was the priest that ate the mushrooms. Santa. Satan. I get it. Finally, <laughs> it all makes guy, sense. The, yeah. the same letters. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of cool things. Plus, Tommy Thayer did that kick-ass opening. And while I, compl- I, you know, I can complain about the horrible logo job, you know, but that's been done to death. Overall, it's, to me, a love letter to me. So I, I'll, yeah. I'll take it for what I see in it, if that makes it's any valid. sense. Of course, that's really valid. And, and I think that's why, for me, it's, like, it's really just a, like a personal disliking more than saying it's a bad, you know, of course, I'm not saying it's a bad movie or that it doesn't resonate right. with people. It, it sure does, and I, I like that it does. I'm glad that that movie reaches people the way it does reach you. It, it didn't. And I'd like to, at this point... Uh, suggest that you check out KST's Vimeo page, where they recently did the Diabolical Disc Demon Scooby-Doo episode as commentary, and (laughs) they also did Detroit Rock City, so check it out, and a little love to our Canadian podcast brothers up there. Shout out to them. Kistory Science Theater, the most civilized? Oh, (laughs) Oh, Come on. (laughs) Respectful. Just imagine Gene it's with like, like a with like a washtub bass. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No wait. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. <laughs> Kiss podcast on the web. History science theory. We bust balls because we care. We're now looking forward to the greatest Kiss movie of all time that's going to come out, and that's Scooby Doo Rock and Roll Mystery. You know, before, before you switch topics to that, I uh-huh. think going back to what you mentioned about you know your love letter to the fans and uh-huh. things like that, I think a movie that could run just as parallel with that idea is Role Models, Ooh. which has yes. oh yeah, that's right, like surprisingly a, a huge amount of Kiss references, and even the fact and it was what made me think about it was the way you said it. Think about it; they're they're having the worst day ever at the start, and what does he pop into that CD player? Some Kiss. Right. How many of us has that been the thing? And by the time, and then the fact that I mean, obviously that scene where he explains the Kiss pinball machine and these guys, oh, they they did that to hide their true identity because you couldn't be in a rock band if you're Jewish or whatever. You know, it's like <laughs> that is, that's so funny. He's talking about his dick. And then, but when you get to the end, and and I mean, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, this isn't a huge spoiler. But when they're playing that game and they're all dressed in Kiss makeup and they're from Kiss My Anthea, and it becomes a very central theme is kiss and the fact that you know you the demon and he's calling them out like that i remember thinking man whoever made this really is a kiss fan i mean obviously uh-huh. the, the girlfriend's name is beth and there's tons of references uh-huh. to kiss throughout the movie to the point where you go like i always wondered if, how much of a hand they might have even had in that movie because like it could have been they could have made up any kind of fictitious band but the fact that there's so many references in that movie to kiss i thought was fantastic yeah that's the love letter movie to to the kiss army for me absolutely yeah. yeah, and that makes me think, Matt, that Gene and Paul had nothing to do with it because exactly. they didn't have a chance to, to muck it up. Yeah, right, there you go. You know, the weird thing is, is that I teared up at the end of that movie when, I mean, you see that cool fight and you see that nerdy kid 
who who reminds me of a young Stephen Colbert, by the way. He could he could be Stephen Colbert's son in a movie. McLovin. Yeah, yeah, Mc McLovin. Yeah. When he gets that victory, man, mm-hmm. it is so cool. And there, then at the end, he's singing the wrong words to Beth, and I still <laughs> there's a part of me that tears up. Well, Plus, that movie is yeah. really funny. It, yeah, it's a funny movie. Yeah, but Ken, hang on a second. Just to just to be a tiny bit serious for a second, mm-hmm. okay? All right. I tear up at that mo- at that at that stuff too in role models, and I think the reason why has has a lot to do with the reasons why I'm not connected. I don't feel a connection to Detroit Rock City, which is that honestly, how many of us were super cool people in high school? Raise your hand. Okay, nobody. Great. So um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? It, it, you know, I look at the cast of. Um, Detroit Rock City. Those were all the cool kids. Those, you know, you're not like you'll never. Maybe again, the the, uh, the kid who played the drummer a little bit, but you're never going to convince me that those were the kids being pushed into lockers. Uh-huh. Um, you know, if, if they may not have done the pushing, but I don't think that they sat at the at the table with the Dungeons and Dragons kids. Right. It just like that that they didn't sell that for me. The role models is a good example. Or if you look at a different genre, but you want to see like what. Detroit Rock City could have been watch Fanboys by uh, the film by um, gosh I'm gonna blow his name now um, well Fanboys is the name of the movie and it's 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 a similar like road movie and shares a uh, and shares an actor too isn't Jam in, in both of those? My God, you're right. That's yeah. I never. Yup. <laughs> yeah, the Sam right. Huntington. That's the drummer, isn't it? Yeah, he's Sam Huntington. You're absolutely right. Is in I've both. Actually, of met those. him. Nice guy. I did too. Yeah. He he signed uh, he signed Detroit Rock City eight by ten. I had. Oh wow. And uh, I told him I was in a in a tribute band, and he was like, "Oh, it's cool." So when he signed it, he goes, "To Andrew, I wouldn't miss your drum solo either." So I thought that was kind <laughs> of. Oh. That's awesome. Was this at that horror convention in '99 in Manhattan? Uh, no, it was actually in 2011 at a comic convention in Detroit. Nice. Oh, that's very yeah. cool. Cool. Me and my brother actually met him uh, a year or two ago here in Jersey at the um, Monster Mania convention, and uh, he was just really a lot of fun, really animated, and he did have Detroit Rock City, City stuff to sign. Mm-hmm. Cool. Very cool. Well, you know, uh, well, you know, if you're listening to this show, you have time to listen to this, but uh, I really enjoyed his work in Almost Human, a show that sadly was canceled way too soon, I feel. Being, be, um, being human. Yeah, what did I say? Almost, almost human. Almost. Oh, that would be a too much. Yeah, of a kiss I guess reference. that is too, too much, much of a kiss reference. Let me cut that again. Uh, <laughs> the show being human. Thank you, Craig, for saving me there. Uh, I'm too much of a kiss fit. Almost human, being human. But it was a really cool show, and it is all on Netflix. So if you want to check yeah, out, I, I will. Uh, I will second that. And that convention we met him at. Um, the other two uh, roommates were there. Ah. Uh, the ghost and the uh, and the vampire. Yeah. So. Well, Linda has a crush on uh, the vampire dude, so. <laughs> I, I I think most girls do. Yeah, I think most girls like the vampire guys. So in my next life, maybe a vampire. Who knows? There you go. So I I'm not one now. Yeah. Exactly. Another movie that I consider a kiss movie, and obviously we could go on a whole other podcast about Gene Simmons movies, which we will. Are, do you remember Trick or Treat? Yes. Yeah, yes, oh, yeah. I do. Now, mm-hmm. Here's the thing, right? WWE and Gene Simmons just announced that they are going to partner up and they're going to create movies. How great would it be they need a sequel to Trick or Treat? Here's the thing. 1986, so next year, 2016, is going to be the 30th anniversary. Here's the premise, right? 
Now, you, you go back and you say to yourself, okay, um, WZLP is going out of business and we're going to bring Nuke back for one last, and it's the, thir- hey, it's the 30th anniversary of that Sammy Kerr massacre. And you could, you could go back and you could have, like, you know, Ragman could be married to Leslie and that's their boyfriend, you know, that's their kid now goes to the, the dance and blah, blah, blah. But imagine how great it would be if Gene's in it, but now he's older, but he's still playing the same kind of washed-up DJ that was in that movie. And then you have, of course, you know, terror ensues. Sammy Kerr comes back, and he does maybe he looks cooler than the way he was doing cartwheels on stage in the original. Uh-huh. Now, Sammy Kerr now. Sammy Kerr now. Nikki Six. <laughs> See, but even that, he looked exactly. He looked like Tommy Lee in in the first one. But I remember. I mean, I actually watched that movie pretty often. I I enjoy it, and I remember seeing Me that too. in the theater. Well, it's funny that you would say Nikki Six because even when I remember seeing it in the theater, and there was kids, you know, with the Nikki Six makeup drawn on their face, and it was, you know, it was like people were there. It was like a rock crowd was there. And then when he finally, you know, Sammy Kerr finally appears, and he's doing cartwheels and like ballet moves, and everybody's kind of like. Okay. That's kind of odd. <laughs> when he trips and falls in the toilet, that's pretty awful. Yeah. But you know what? So I'm saying WWE and Gene, and of course I know that they listen to this show because they want to hear what we think. Right. They need the sequel to that. <laughs> it would be great. And uh, you know, and, and I want to play a teacher in one of the scenes since I just told them the idea. And I just they can just run through my class. That'd be great. I can see I was a, Alice I was Cooper. When I bought that movie. Why? Why? <laughs> I love that. Well, because like I knew I would like it because I, it's about all the things I like. But like when I when I bought it, I go, man, I hope I don't run into anybody that is gonna make fun of me about buying this movie. Cause no, I cheesy. love that movie. I wish it was released in, uh, you know, proper widescreen and everything. I wish that it would come out on Blu-ray. Please make that happen, somebody. With commentary from Skippy. Yes, Anchor Bay. Please make that happen. Wake up, sleepyhead. It's body time! Rock and roll will never die. At least not this Halloween. You've heard of raising spirits from the dead by incantations, right? Yes. I did that by playing a record backwards. You're kidding. Sammy Kerr. He's a rock and roll nightmare. I am a big fan of yours. I've got all your records. Shut up! You're the big. The big is you. This message is meant for me. How can you listen to this stuff? Sammy Kerr. His fans won't let him die. He won't let them live. You should be loyal to your hero. Make it turn on you. from Family Ties with special guest appearances by Ozzy Osbourne and Gene Simmons of KISS. 
please. Oh, God, is it, is it not on uh, Blu-ray? No. If a lot of things aren't yet, are they? No, this it's sort sad. of like DVD was. Yeah, it yeah. makes me sad. See, but physical funny, media what, is dying. Well, yeah. even what Gary, what you said as far as the in Detroit Rock City, the guys getting pushed into the locker. I mean, clearly that Eddie Weinbauer character in Trick or Treat, he seems to be the nerdiest kid on the planet, and everybody seems to not like him, and they all seem to not like heavy metal, but then they all like Sammy Kerr at the concert right before he starts to electrocute them all, and it's a whole other topic. Yeah, know, but, but isn't I mean, that the you know, Kiss phenomena in total? I mean, Kiss sucks, Kiss sucks, then the reunion oh, tour I like happens. This song. Oh, I, oh I kissed, this is Kiss? This and, song is and Kiss? Now, and now the he's reunion tour happens, and every asshole that was there telling you how much Kiss sucked that was on the football team is now there this song. This at the right, Enormo right, This song's pretty good, but they suck. Oh, they did this song too? All of a sudden, everyone was a Kiss fan. It's bullshit. One of the one of the great scenes in that when he when Sammy Kerr has died and and uh, Eddie is going crazy and he's running around ripping all his posters out and that he rips down a Love Gun Mylar poster mm-hmm. and I, I think it's no, an like, no. right. But I mean, don't you think it would be funny if if he would you know look at Nuke and say you know gee you look a lot like Gene Simmons because obviously Kiss exists in that reality because right. he has the poster. It could be full of funny jokes, so it's just uh, you know. I would love to I'd see love to Skippy Hendelman come back as a father trying to protect his kids. That's how great would it be? And they could do all kind <laughs> of things. Awesome. Oh, you know, he would, and the kid could listen to you know shitty uh, Skrillex or something, and he could be oh, this is blah, terrible. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and you wouldn't know oh, if it was being forward or backwards. The dubstep you know demon. Matt, Matt, you and I should make this. Matt, <laughs> yeah. you and I should make this. We can make it. <laughs> I'd love to see Alice Cooper as the school principal that drinks a lot. Exactly. And he just ignores yeah, everything that happens. Like, you know, you figure Ozzy's in the first one, and, and Ozzy's in there as a minister. They could have him come back. Like, D. Schneider. So, yeah, that that's definitely cool. So what we're going to do now is we're going to close up the show. If you uh, want to hear us talk about something else, we're going to spin off into something else a little bit. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we, we thank you for listening. Rate us on iTunes, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation. Carry on the conversation on our Facebook page, and we hope to see you on the podcast and on the Kiss Room. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podkist is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podkist is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkist crew, thank you for listening to Podkist, the KISS fanzine for your ears. Right now we're going to do a little thing. We're going to discuss some of the summer movies, and more importantly, I guess, a lot of us are comic book fans here. So the Age of Ultron is upon us. 
Disney's Marvel's Age of Ultron is upon us. And uh, I know that Craig and Andrew have seen it, and you guys would give it what? Uh, two thumbs up. I enjoyed it. Okay. Craig? If you dug Avengers and you've dug most of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, you're, you're, you pretty much, much know what you're getting. Right. The problem is, is that I almost think it's too much. Is there anybody else that's starting to get superhero film fatigue? Ken, this is a KISS podcast. Too much is never enough. I guess. I guess. I mean, I'm currently watching Daredevil. You've got Arrow. Oh, yes. You've got Arrow. You've got The Flash. You've got Gotham and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has a spinoff in itself, and it's what, Sharon Carter? Agent Carter, yeah. Agent Carter. And then you've got the new Fantastic Four movie that's coming out, which I have zero interest in. It's not because I don't love the Fantastic Four, but it's almost like it's completely unrecognizable to me. You know what I mean? And you turn the TV on, you're watching FX, and there's Captain America 1, 2, Iron Man 1, 2, 3, The Incredible Hulk, The Avengers, and it just goes on and on and on. Are we getting to a point where we're getting too much saturation? I know that we've got the DC movies, we've got the Marvel movies. Is how, how long do you think that the public will say this is a good thing or not? I think, Ken, that the, the marquee heroes are always going to be marketable. Um, I think some of your smaller properties might fall off, and, and eventually the bubble will burst. But I think any time that a Batman movie comes out in the next 50 years, it's still going to be event, an event for people. And I'm actually on board with this whole glut of superhero movies because I think we're all uh, old enough to remember a time when we would get really bad superhero movies. I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember, or I'm sure we all remember. It was not the, that long ago. The Captain America movies we got in the, the late 80s or the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Or, Oof, those you know, are despite, so bad. Yeah, or the Spider-Man stuff we got prior to, you know, the, the Tobey Maguire movies, uh, not Oof. counting the animated stuff they did. But, you know, I mean, with the exception of, like, you know, the Chris, Christopher Reeves Superman movies, um, and then 1989's, you know, Batman, uh, during that period there really wasn't a lot for superhero fans or comic book fans uh, to get excited about. You got Howard the Duck. <laughs> so, Howard uh, the Duck. So for me, it's just one of those things where I remember how bad it used to be. Um, and now it's like uh, there were two kids and their dad sitting next to me in the movies this morning when I saw Age of Ultron. And I was like, these kids have no idea how great of a time they're living in to be a fan, uh, to be a comic book fan. Right, right, right. So, Matt, what do you think? You know, I agree. I think, I mean, I love those kind of things. To me, I, the one thing I kind of wish they wouldn't go so dark. Every Ever since uh, Tim Burton did Batman, all of them mm-hmm. ha- are so tortured and dark. And I, I saw the preview for the new Superman versus Batman, and it looks so dark. I mean, it's I, I like the, su- like the 1978 Christopher Reeve Superman, where it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's a mm-hmm. little bit more lighthearted. Those Christopher Nolan Batman, they're so heavy. Like, you know, the one with the Joker, it's such a great movie, but it leaves you pretty uneasy. And the uh, I, I wish they'd go back to being a little bit more fun, but I certainly enjoy them. I watch a, lo- a lot of that stuff. Uh-huh. Well, let me ask you, uh, Craig and Andrew, since you've seen the movie, is it literally the best time you will have ever? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's the best time you'll have ever, because the best time I've ever had, like, 
is when I touched a boob for the first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's it's a great movie, and movies like that you really have to see twice because you're so enamored with it the first time you see. There's so much going on that you miss a lot of the nuances that a lot of the comic fans are going to appreciate. A lot of the cool little Easter eggs that are in there. Uh-huh. A lot of the cool, you know, effects that maybe you're not you're not watching for because you're so enamored by what's going on on screen. So it's a big movie. I think maybe it could have been two movies if they really wanted to do that. But right. They might have got a little too more self-indulgent with Ultron than they wanted to. But still, it's still a great movie. I think it's done really well. And uh, it's it's fun. You know, if you want to go see this movie and you want to talk about, you know, the bombings that have happened or you want to talk about the gun violence or the looting in Baltimore, this isn't your kind of movie. Right. This is just a fun movie about a fun cast. And you could tell they're having fun, too. So if, like what Craig said, if you liked all the other Marvel movies, you're going to like this. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm gonna I think go... the only thing it really sort of suffers from is the Avengers movies now, it seems, are really set-the-table movies, where this movie is really setting the table for uh, a new era of Avengers, but also making sure everybody's sort of sent off so we can look forward to them in their new movies. And then also, this is really sort of a setup for, I guess, the cinematic universe mm-hmm. version 3. Right. So it, yeah. it, 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 it could be a little frustrating in that sense where you're like, ah, this is, it's not a standalone movie. And I think the Marvel films are at a point now where they can't be a standalone movie, um, especially the Avengers, where I, I still think the Marvel high watermark for me is Captain America the Winter Soldier. Yep, that was a great one. Great movie. I really enjoyed that movie, but it was almost too action packed. You know what I mean? Like when when I when I watched that movie it was like, man, I I wouldn't do any good in a fight with Captain America or any of these people cuz everybody and it seemed like every character was not someone that you just run into on the street. Everybody was like a super hyped up ninja assassin. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's wrong with a roundhouse every once in a while? <laughs> but like when I'm even trying to stand up out of my chair, they would have knocked me down 39 times in that 30 <laughs> seconds or whatever. You know what I mean? It's kind of that scene in Rush Hour. Which one of y'all kicked me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was almost too much action. I was sitting there going, this is great, but it's almost like action porn as opposed to, you know, thank God it had a good story to it, but it almost got lost at times in the action, if you will. And I think that's one of the big, uh, something that any any comic book movie director or, or any kind of director that does action films, you don't want the action to be too much. Like, for example, if a person is watching Expendables, any of the Expendables, the plot really doesn't matter that much, right? <laughs> right. It's just something that they have to, like, tap you on the shoulder every once in a while and go, oh, by the way, we're still looking for that girl. You know what I mean? <laughs> we just totally decimated this art museum, but we're still looking for that girl, you know? And it's just, uh, so it's that it's kind a of a thing. Hey, yo, hey. Anyway. Hey, we're still looking for that girl, but we just decimated the rock museum. I don't really know what decimated means, but that's what we did back then. Uh, I heard uh, Schwarzenegger say decimate, so I'm using it. It makes me sound like a politician, you know. Anyway, so, uh, anyhow. But, yeah, but I'm going to go on a rant now, okay? The other night I was watching Hulu, and if I saw one ad for Avengers Age of Ultron, I saw 20 of them. 
And you guys know what that's like if you watch the Hulu thing. Yep. But there was a review in the ad, and it said, the, a- the Avengers Age of Ultron is the best time you will have ever. Now, I know that the movie is probably great, but isn't that setting the bar kind of low for your life? I mean, think about what that's saying. It's better. It's more fun than the birth of your child or your wedding or even a blowjob from all of Charlie's Angels past and present. There are things that I think are slightly more exciting than going to see that movie. But, like, what's going to happen? Are you going to be walking by, like, Cinema 8 and the thing, and people will be in there shouting, during the film like they're on a thrill ride is it going to be like they're all going to be doing the wave as the movie's playing are they going to be screaming like Wee! it's the Hulk Wee! it's Thor Wee! he's got long blonde hair Wee! it's Robert Downing Jr. being a sarcastic douchebag he's my favorite Wee! this is the most exercise I've had all year I'm having a cardiac arrest. Wee! Anyway, maybe my life was just a little bit more exciting than, you know, most people's or not. I don't know, but I'm sure that the film is wee-inducing, and like you guys said, it's two thumbs up, but I just, I don't know. Wee. So, there you go. That's my rant well, on and- that. Andrew summed it up. Boobs. <laughs> Boobs, yeah. yeah Boobs. Dude, if... Yeah, like, okay, so I'm seeing the movie, and, like, you know, I went with my girlfriend, and I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I can't wait to grab her boobs after this movie's over. So, it's just like... <laughs> <laughs> and that's the greatest moment you'll ever have. Yeah, I'm surprised that... I had that day. Well, did you notice people found out that Loki's scene was cut? I was waiting to hear somebody say, if Loki's scene is cut, we riot. You know, I was waiting for that, so... There's too many characters, aren't there, in this new one? Isn't there almost too many characters? Well, yes and no. I think everybody serves a, a good purpose. I think, uh, without giving too much away, I think Hawkeye gets a pretty good shot in mm-hmm. this one. Um, they really uh, use him. Pun, pun intended, Aaron? Uh, 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 Andrew? No, I actually, I actually really liked what they did with Hawkeye. There's actually you, you said shot. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. There's actually, <laughs> Spoiler uh, alert! There's a there's a really there's a no, really like good he line that he's got. That's yeah, there's there's a really good line that he has. So. Matt and Ken, when you guys see it, you'll you'll know what I mean. It's towards the end of the movie. He's got a really good line. You're like, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's good. Well, let me ask what? you guys this. Let's go around the table real quick. Andrew, what superhero movie are you most looking forward to next? Well, see, the one that I want to see is the one they're not going to make. I want them to make another damn Hulk movie. And for fuck's sakes, will you pay the Hulk some goddamn respect? Because, yes, Avengers was great. Yes, Avengers Age of Ultron was great. But... Fuck, will you make the Hulk have green eyes before he hulks out? And how could he control being the Hulk when he's taking a dump? It's like all of a sudden, okay, I gotta be the Hulk. It's like taking a dump, that easy. No, where is the buildup? Where is, if Bill Bixby was still alive, he would be like, where's the, where's the acting? He needs to, I need to believe that he's getting mad and that he's gonna turn into this Goliath. That's my old problem. So, the movie I want, I want a really great Hulk movie. Fuck Edward Norton, fuck Eric Bana. Those movies suck. I want a great Hulk movie. That's what I with, want. With with Ruffalo? Yeah, because he's a great banner. When it when it's at the theater, will you say we? Yes, the whole time I'll be like, oh no, I won't say we. I'll Wee! be like, oh my god. Oh no, I would just be like just yelling, just obscenities at the screen. Fuck shit, my god. Oh god, you know, it, you know, I would love it. So, but that's so if if we're talking about that's actually going to come out, um, then. 
the super movie I'm looking forward to is probably uh, the new Spider-Man. I'll be interested to what they do with the new Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Matthew? You know, look, there's a lot of great movies coming out this summer, but I'm set for Star Wars. That's what I'm looking for more than anything. I mean, really, mm-hmm. it's sad that they can't get that out for the summer because it really should be Memorial Day weekend. But, Chewie, we're home. Come on, I can't yeah, wait till Christmas. That was the best. <laughs> that was amazing. Listen, think, about, think of how good that's going to be when you sit down and there's there's nothing else going on because it's going to be there's, there's going to be nine feet of snow in Pennsylvania in December. So you know there's going to be uh, nothing else you're going to be doing except looking forward to Star Wars. So imagine that two and a half hours of escapism in December when there's a blizzard. But it's I, I want to see I want to see it in the drive-in because the original Star Wars, the first time I ever saw it, was uh-huh. at a drive-in, and I would love it if I could see the new one in a drive-in just for that, you know. So obviously in December you're not going to get that, but the, uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm excited for that. I think really uh, I'll go see Age of Ultron. I go to see almost everything a year later on DVD anyway. But the, uh, right. you know, I think Star Wars that's going to be the deal. Craig, what is what are your thoughts? on uh, what superhero movie you're looking forward to next. I'm really looking forward to uh, 2017's, so it's going to be a little bit of a wait for me, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Wow. Um, I I think um, that's a movie I'm really looking forward to because I thought Marvel um, really, you know, showed a lot of confidence in serving up a property that a lot of people didn't know about and really delivering and and creating uh, a movie that people wanted to see and and I think the chemistry of the cast in that movie was great I think um, the the execution of that movie was great so I'm really looking forward to to that sequel um, to a lesser extent I'm looking forward to uh, Captain America Civil War and I would also really really like to cash in any kind of comic book karma points I have to get a real true and proper Disney-owned Marvel Studios Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would love go. to see the same people who made The Incredibles make the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Totally. Like, have it actually take place back in the 60s and just have fun with it. And let Pixar do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But the I guess... it looks terrible, though. I mean, like, you know, and they go back to a reboot that we already know the origin, you know? It's right. like, I mean, they're going to do another Fantastic Four. I think the new one, I'm I'm really disappointed by that. To me, I'm going to wait till it's on Netflix or cable or something. Yeah. But, but I also think they're making that movie for a, a, an audience that we're not. Right. Right. But do you think that kids are really reading comics now or are they watching cartoon versions of those characters and even playing with the action figures and the video games and the video games yeah to me like i said comic books cost anywhere from what 2.99 to 5.99 per single issue if if i'm going to buy comic books it's usually a collected edition of something i love growing up and I've bought a few things on Kindle because with my eyes it's easier to read on that with the light up board behind it, you know what I mean? Or the uh, my, my tablet or whatever. I believe you're right, Craig. I don't think that they're, that these movies are necessarily driving people back to the comic book store. Anyway, I'm looking forward to Batman vs. Superman for oh, probably Batfleck. all the wrong reasons. Batfleck? 
listen, I I think Ben Affleck's gonna be great as Batman. I think he I would do fine. I first off, the only you take any Batman movie, it's not Bruce Wayne driven. It's Bat driven. It's Bruce Wayne looks at a few things. We see him cock an eyebrow, <laughs> and then he puts the suit on, and action ensues. That's really what it is. You know what and I mean? And arguably, you could say Ben Affleck is the first guy who's got the real legitimate build for it. Yeah. I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll be the problem. I'm hoping that DC kind of gets this out of their system. They're taking this fight basically from the Dark Knight Returns comic. Yeah. And they're finally going to have him fight Superman. I don't know how close it will go with it, but this is what people have been wanting. I want a movie where they're kind of friends, maybe begrudgingly at first, but I really don't want to see them fight. And who knows, maybe it'll all turn around. But I like a Superman where his suit is blue, red, and yellow. I don't want a suit where it's so dark and... This movie looks way too dark, and I know that DC, Warner Brothers, is thinking, well, the Batman movies work, so they're going to be all dark and gloomy, so Superman has to be dark and gloomy. The Man of Steel movie is almost forgettable, you know what I mean? Is there anybody that loves that movie to the point where, like, it's their take? Hell no, I saw it and I was like, I'm sure there's somebody out there, but for me... My Superman needs to be wearing the red under underwear. I'm sorry. Right. It's it just the looks character. weird when he doesn't have his, his underwear outside of his costume. <laughs> Dude, your dick is hanging out. <laughs> Whoops. But it you is super. I'm sure there's podcasts out there that deal with comic books specifically, you know, and to Dark Knight, the, the comic book series, what, the Dark Knight Returns, was a game changer in comic books. I right. mean, like, oh, that totally. was expensive at the time. And it went in a whole other direction. I remember reading that being like, what the hell is this? Uh And that was incredible. And then the one that really, I think, probably will inspire the the, um, Superman versus Batman, if you've ever read Kingdom Come, which is a series that's collected. Have you read that? Uh To me, that's the tone of that. Is I, I kind of think what's what we're gonna get with the Superman versus Batman, where people have kind of turned on the heroes, yeah. You know, which which is interesting. I thought that was really one of the best Superman stories because he's clearly the leader of all superheroes at that point in that yeah. comic. But uh, if people haven't read that, it's it's not only is it a good story, but it's hand painted. It's Alex Ross. The whole comic book's painted. It's beautiful. Alex Ross is the yeah, man. What about what about the, this new Joker? Because you know that they're trying to build a DC cinematic universe, and it's like the Joker looks like a punk that probably he looks like Little Wayne. He looks like Little Wayne. I hate to say it, but I think that DC's kind of making it up as they go along. Whereas Marvel, they're playing catch up. They're playing catch up with Marvel, and uh, they're seeing all the money that Marvel made and saying, "Shoot!" Instead of setting these movies up like Marvel did, I mean, mean, Marvel had what you could call a five-year plan. you know, all of their movies they put out, you know, starting with Iron Man and working their way to the Avengers. Whereas it seems like DC really wants dessert before you cook your whole meal. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with you there because they want the Justice League, and Marvel knew that no one would have cared about an Avengers film as much if they put that out in 2008 instead of Iron Man. Right. But who. I remember people thinking that Iron Man was a doomed film and that. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. was the worst possible person that you could put in that role, and I remember all that. So, 
you know, we're we're just uh, waiting to see something good. Uh, that's all I really want out of a movie is to be entertained and not to be insulted as a comic book consumer. Uh, I, I don't want... Basically, I want to see the characters that are on my shelf that I love on the screen. And there are times when people say, well, you know, do you like these movies and do you still read comics? And I go, well, if I want to see my friends, they're over there on that shelf. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Superman 78. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Cannot go wrong with that movie. There you go. I mean, that is, is, is possibly the most well-executed first 45 minutes of a superhero movie that I think I'm ever going to see. Um, that includes anything that has yet to be made, but from the moment... <laughs> no, seriously, from the opening moments on, um, on Krypton to the moment where we get the full reveal of him in the suit in the Fortress of Solitude and he flies towards the camera, uh -huh. um, it's, there's not a bad moment in that opening 45 minutes. It's, it's flawless filmmaking. Right. Yeah, I love that movie. Well... If anybody has any thoughts about this, let us know. We are not a superhero movie podcast, but it was fun just to kind of shoot this super shit, if you will. And <laughs> thank you, guys. Uh, it was fun. Maybe we'll do this again sometime down the road. This was Superhero Movie Talk. I'm Ken. <laughs> I'm Clark Kent when I put my glasses on. <laughs> Craig. I'm Craig. Andrew. I'm Andrew. Don't make me angry. And that was Superhero Talk. Thank you for listening. <laughs> anyway, I thought that would be fun to do. That was cool. That, that yeah, is thank cool. you, Ken. Plus, I got to do my uh, stand-up routine about wee, wee. Yeah. Hey, so, I, got, I got a boogie, though. I'll get a Kleenex. Yeah, yeah. There you um, go. Okay. See you later. See you, Craig. All right. Bye. Take care, guys. We are rolling. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Ace Fraley. It's Fraley, not Freely. Hey, well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm using my R2 unit right now, and I'm wondering the same, but does that bother the recording? No, that's actually <laughs> fun. Ken, I want to tell you, I listened to the um, Psycho Circus Side 4 um, episode yesterday, and fuck, uh -huh. man, that was unreal. Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it really made me doubt my ability as a podcaster at certain points. Oh, man, I gotta listen to this. I'm, I'm, I've been putting it off until this week. No way. Ken, you're great. BJ's great. And Julian was just having um, a, a Babe Ruth-like day. Julian was uh, amazing. Wow. <laughs> well, that's high praise in, indeed. I'll tell you that... You know, uh, he knows this stuff. Yeah, he, re he really does. I mean, and, and, and the way he's able to express his thoughts is really, really admirable well the nice thing about the whole four episodes and we we're all part of that is that nobody was saying each other was a douchebag or that they weren't real on fans the air. or on the air but there was no commentary in my car but there was nobody that slagged one another for their opinions and that that makes me happy so a lot of people uh, contacted me and said that that Casey Kasem Andrew Scambetti moment was like the holy. Bomb. It was so That's funny. This thing's ever. It was great. It was uh, much much enjoyed. I would say. The bits when Ace the Ace falling asleep bit was hysterical. That was the highlight of that episode four. 
Oh, don't say Voldemort. What? Don't say that. Don't say that, little Harry, you know. And then there's like, <laughs> you know, this right. huge thing. Sorry. I'm sorry. I have to end the life of my dog. Hold on a second. Why? That was a weird sound. Yeah. You got to isolate that. That was a great little weird sound. Oh, we're great at that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, we are amateurs. Yeah. I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. <laughs> Squish.